Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. All right, you ready to get into the Word of God today? We're starting a brand new sermon series, y'all, today. That's right. And the title of our sermon series, got to know that you're excited. And the title of our series is, How Are You Managing? How are you managing? Ask your neighbor, how you doing? How you doing? Not like Joey Tribbiani, though, you know, like... How you doing? No, simmer down. Save that for a small group. You know, this is more like, how are you managing? And this is a series, four weeks in the month of June, designed to help you with one of the most stressful, burdensome, worrying issues in your life. And no, I'm not talking about your family, even though they are crazy. No, I'm not talking about your anxiety. I'm talking about the thing that, that attacks your family unity, and I'm talking about the thing that feeds your anxiety. Because I want to talk about for the next four weeks is the topic of your finances, your money. And I always feel the need to say this before I jump into the topic of finances here at our church. I feel like I need to say this so that we can all relax, so that we can all breathe, so that we can all enjoy and hear the word of God without judgment, hesitation, or fear. I am not raising an offering. so you can relax. I just think every time we come into church and the topic is on money, we think that the pastor's trying to raise money for something. We're not asking for anything in this sermon. In fact, what you're going to find out in point two of my message, we actually giving away something, a lot of things. Uh, so we're not asking for anything. We're giving something. We're not going to raise any offerings. Now, one day, the owner of this building will decide to sell, and then we will be raising an offering. But right now... That is not the case. And so we're not asking for anything. We literally are, want to bless you. We want to help remove this burden of stress that's on your life when it comes to this topic. However, I understand the skepticism and I understand the worry that you may have when you step into a building like this, especially if you invited a friend, the thoughts and the fears. And I think one of the reasons why it gets weird for people when we talk about money in church is because there are some churches, some preachers who just have bad motives. Now, I'm not taking shots at anybody. I just, I don't live in a cave. I read the news. I know that this kind of thing happens. Pastors and preachers trying to line their pockets and pay their bills. And something you just need to know about Journey Church, if you've ever been here before or haven't been with us for a length of time, hear me, we good. We good. Our, our, our salary is 15 to 20% less than what the average church spends in America on salaries. Why? Because we rather send more money into the community doing outreach and doing also, you know why else why? Because we have the best dream team, team of volunteers in the planet that carry so much and do so much. So we don't pay, have to pay people to do the jobs because people are doing them out of just the gratitude of their salvation. And so what that does is that allows us to give back into the community, which this year alone in 2023, I'm excited to tell you, give you a head start. We usually find out a legacy offering at the end of the year, but we'll probably give away close to, if not Eclipse, a half a million dollars in charitable gifts, locally, nationally, globally. That blows my mind. Uh, my vision is to one day give away a million. So we're halfway there. It's been almost seven years, and I know that we are uh, headed in the right direction. And so here's something else you need to know about your church. We have zero debt. 
Zero debt. We're not paying the bank. You got no loans to give back. We go. Here's another thing you need to know about your pastor. I drive a Ford Fusion. I drive a Ford Fusion. All right. I'm afraid to drive anything more expensive than that. And I couldn't afford it. I know how people think. God forbid. If you, if you are in an Escalade and you wave at me, I won't even get close to your car. God forbid someone take a picture, passes a drug dealer. I don't roll like that. And so I don't even, I stay away from even the appearance of anything. I'm good. Not that I can't have nice things, but I don't think I can have nice things and not get judged. So I don't. And I'm good. I don't need it. I got Jesus. You can have nice things. There's nothing bad about nice things. Just pastors are not allowed to have them. <laughs> uh, at least I, I, I don't. So I'm, I'm good with that. That's fine. That's, I want you to know that. Another reason I think it's not just the bad examples that other people have put forward. I think it's also bad theology that we've been taught. There's this thing called the prosperity gospel. If you haven't heard of it, it's whenever you hear a preacher say, if, if, if you got money, then you're blessed. God loves you. And if you don't have money, then that means God hates you and he's not on your side. But if you send me $12, I will send you this handkerchief. And if you put this handkerchief on your wallet and then remove the handkerchief at 12.01 p.m. with another payment of $5.99, your, most, your finances will be, will be and, that's just, and that's just bad Listen, I'm not about the prosperity gospel. We don't preach that here. God loves rich people and God loves poor people. He loves people all in between the financial spectrum. But as much as I'm not about the prosperity gospel, you need to know Journey Church is also not about the poverty gospel. Here's the poverty gospel, and a lot of us grew up in it. You got to be poor or else God won't love you can't have nice things. You got to have holes in your shoes and because they got to be holy. See what I did? That joke. <laughs> you gotta, that's terrible. Don't laugh at that. That was such a bad joke. Um, and, and, you, and you can't have nice things. You can't have big houses and you can't have because you got to be like Jesus who is homeless and walking on the street. And, and let me just tell you, the Bible does not command us to be poor. In fact, if we are not blessed financially, we cannot fulfill some of the commandments in the Bible. Let me ask you, if we are not blessed financially, how are we supposed to lend to many nations like the Bible says? If we are not blessed financially, how are we supposed to be the head and not the tail? If we are not blessed financially, how are we supposed to be an example of people to people for what it looks like to have a blessed life, for what it looks like to have the favor of God? You ought to be so blessed that when someone asks you, how come you can afford that? And how come you can do that? You go, not by might and not by power, but by the spirit and grace of the Lord. That's how I got what I got. If we are not going to be blessed financially, how are we going to send the gospel to the end of the world? Who's going to plant churches? Who's going to build more campuses? Who's going to send more missionaries? Who's going to write the books and send out the resources? It's got to be the church. We got to be blessed so that others can be blessed. So pastor, if we're not raising an offering, why are we talking about money? Number one, because it matters to God. It matters to God. Two of the topics that Jesus talked the most about are the two topics we talk the least about in church are the two topics that he talked the most about in the Bible. Money and hell. Now, we're going to save the hell series for next year. I won't tell you when I'm a preacher or else you won't come. Just like I didn't tell you when the finance series was coming. <laughs> I just popped it on you. Oh, he's teaching finances. Okay, cool. Did you know that Jesus talked more about finances than he did prayer? And we're in a pray first year. I'll tell you why. Because when we pray first, we're saying, God, we love you above all other things. But God knows that what you say can only be supported by what you sacrifice. Anybody can say, I love this. Anybody can say, I love that. Don't tell me, show me. I value Jesus. I value Jesus more than anything. Show me your Venmo and I'll show you your values. No, you say you love Jesus, a little like you love Lululemon. <laughs> little like you worship Lululemon. <laughs> but good. Imagine this. Imagine this little exercise. What if someone had to write for your life a mission statement? And all they had to go on 
was your credit card statement? What would, what would they determine is important to you from looking at just that document? Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, amplified version of the Bible, for where your treasure is, there your heart. And then it breaks down heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. And this is the problem. Are you ready? God wants our lives to center around him, but for many of us, our lives center around money. It controls us, which is why we're preaching on it. It was my second reason, not just because it matters to God, but if we're honest, it matters to us. According to the 2022 Stress in America study published by the American Psychological Association, Americans who say that money is a significant source of stress in their life is the highest since 2015. Millennials and Gen Z are the most affected by financial anxiety. The survey found that 82% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 43 consider money to be a significant stress point in their lives. Student loan debt stood at $1.6 trillion in the first quarter of this year. Car debt on your car, $1.55 trillion just January through March. If you were to take all the debt that Americans got on their credit cards just the first quarter of 2023, it'd be $986 billion. Combine that with a bear market, inflation, recession, rising interest rates, and a tight housing market, it's no wonder. We're stressed out. But are you ready for this? This is it. This is all I wanted to preach. This is my one message. This is my sermon in a sentence. This is my message in a moment right here. If you can get this in, you got this. It's stressful, but the reason why you are stressed, ooh, get this, get this, get this, is not because of the condition of money in your account, but the position that money has in your heart. That's it. That's it. The position that money has in your heart. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, in case you were wondering what Jesus was talking about, both God and money. Lean in. The problem with money isn't that we don't have it. Our problem with money is that it has us. We think about it all the time. Like the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, my mind is on my money and my money is on my mind. We think about it all the time. It literally controls our lives and makes decisions for us. It's become our master. Many of us won't even pray and ask the Lord, God, what job should we take? No, instead we'll ask Google what the base salary is. And we'll spend the next four years of our life in college studying something that gives us money but no purpose. That gives us coin but, but, but no value, no worth, no reason. Because it makes this... Some of us will move to whole different cities because the cost of living is lower, not even asking what the cost of spirituality is going to be. Is there a support system in that city? Is there a good church that you can call home? Or was that just a financial decision? Are you ready? This one's going to hit home. Some of us will choose who we date and marry. Just based on whether or not they make money. How much paper do they have? 
Forget about the fact of whether or not they love God. Forget about whether or not they treat you good. Forget about whether or not they are encouraging or they have a dream or they have passion. Do they have money? And we'll let that be the deciding fact. And we'll pass up on some people. I'm shouting out for all the poor brothers in the house today who love Jesus, who got character, who got integrity. They just don't have a 401k right now. It's not that money's not important. It's that it can't be our master. It can't be the thing that runs our life. And what I want to offer you today is not richness. How to be rich. If I was real sleazy, I'd have titled the message, How to Be Rich. No, I'm going to offer you something better than rich. I want to offer you freedom. The ability to break the chains that money has over your mental health, over your heart, over the condition of your soul to finally set yourself free. And there's a difference between being rich and being free. Here's being rich. You have the nicest car in the neighborhood. Here's being free. I'm not worried if my car breaks down because I have an emergency fund saved up to repair my car in case it breaks down. That's rich and that's free. Here's rich. I go out to eat and I order a $10,000 bottle of wine. That's rich. Here's free. I can take my wife out on her birthday and not worry if my kids will have enough money for food at the cafeteria the next day. That's rich and that's free. Here's rich and free. My story. Ready? This is my story. Here's rich making well over six figures a year, working three jobs, rich, with other people paying into my retirement, with other people covering my benefits, and then here's free. Ready? Selling my house leaving my job, going a year without a salary, all because I had no debt, I had money saved up, and because God asked me to plant a church in Winter Park. I was free to follow the will of God because finances didn't have a control over my life. You know, there are people who are missing out on the purpose of their life because they can't afford it. Because they can't afford it. And money has bound them to a destiny that was never theirs. That's freedom. And so I want to title this message, not how to get rich quick, but how to be free forever. How to be free forever. And the way you're going to do that is one way, one word right here. This is it. If you get this word and the principles that are within it, you will be free. I can promise you this after four weeks. Here's the word stewardship. And the definition of stewardship is this, how you manage. Someone say manage. So I recalled the series, how are you managing? How you manage what has been given to you. There are three principles of stewardship. We're going to teach and we're going to preach today. There's three principles of stewardship. Principle number one is the principle of ownership. What is ownership? It's the idea that everything you have comes from God, is God's. And you are just managing what belongs to him. You are not the owner of it. You are the steward of it. Psalms 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Come on, somebody say that like a Tyler Perry movie and everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Are you ready? This is good. The principle of ownership is going to free you. How's it going to free you? It's going to set you free from anxiety. The principle of ownership is because when you understand where it all comes from, ooh, there's a freedom on you. My son, when he was just a child, just a baby even, my wife had a friend come over in the backyard and they were playing with the toys. And, and one of the toys that came out of the bag 
it was the other kids, and it was this red ball. And my son saw the red ball. He loved it. You could tell his eyes lit up. And so the mom was so kind. She took the red ball. She gave it to my son. And my son started playing with the red ball. He loved it so much. But when it was time to go home, it was time to also give back the ball. And, and mom was like, hey, I'm ready to go. Like, kind of like, you're cute. I can't be the bad guy. You're going to have to take the ball away. So I took the ball away from my son. And when I took the ball away from my son, would you believe it? He started crying. He lost it. He was bawling. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. And then he said, he was, he was, a, he was a baby. He said, he said his first four-letter word. I could not believe it. I was like, where did he get this from? I looked over at Pastor Liz. Talk about my father-in-law. He said, I don't know. Where did he get this from? Did I say something? TV, kids, where did they learn the word from? You know how word he said as he was crying? He said, ah! Mine. Mine? Where did you learn that word? It's crazy. See, he was a kid, so he couldn't understand. He thought just because it was in his hands, it belonged to him. Can I help you? Just because it's in your hands doesn't mean you own it. Can I be even more practical? Just because it's in your hands doesn't mean it's yours. And if he would have understood that that mom didn't even have to give it to him in the first place, because it wasn't his, that he wouldn't have cried when we took it away, he would have said, thank you for sharing it. I wrote it like this. When I understand who owns it, the anxiety of ever losing it is replaced by the gratitude of ever having it. I didn't even, I didn't even deserve it. I'm just grateful that I got it. And listen, the same principle that applies towards money also applies towards your marriage. My wife preached very good last Sunday, and she also shared, got vulnerable by one of her fears. One of her great fears in life is me dying. And I was talking to her about this recently, and I thought, you know, if, if I died, I think I know what would happen to you, because I know you. I think the first thing is you would cry uncontrollably. Second thing is you would never get married again. You would stay single forever. But for real. You know I'll be in heaven, so I'll be like, hey. But here's what I know you would do afterwards. At the end of all that pain, I know you would give God thanks. Because you know that I came from God. I don't mean that in a prideful way, you know. <laughs> I came from the Lord. <laughs> You'd be able to look at God and you wouldn't tell him, why did you rob me of 30 years married? You could look at God and go, God, how could you give me 15? Oof. So good look, because he wasn't even mine. I didn't even deserve it. And you gave me 15 years with that anointed, good-looking, Man of God, I mean, dang, Lord, 15 years with that. Bless. Listen, if I lost all my money tomorrow, all of it, and my house burned down, first thing I would do, cry. <laughs> Uncontrollably. Second thing I would do, be grateful. I know I would. Lord, thank you so much for the vacation I went on last year, because I don't know when I'm going to get another one. It was so good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, thank you for these shoes, Lord. They made it through the fire. Praise the Lord. Lord, I don't have another pair. So I pray you anoint them and you bless them and may they go like the sandals of the Israelites in the desert. May they last many, many, many years, Lord Jesus. I'm just grateful for them. I know I would. And some of y'all are like, well, you just say you would, but there's no way to know you would. You know how I know I would? Because that's how I was when my son died. Seven after I was after being born, and he passed away, I cried like a baby. And then after that, I looked up to heaven, and I said, thank you, Lord, for seven hours. Because it could have been like the three miscarriages before him where I didn't even get to meet the child. But I got to see his eyes. I got to kiss him. I got to lay hands on him. I got to pray for him. I got to hug him. I got to cry with him. Thank you, Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I didn't even deserve seven. It was yours. You were the owner. Thank you. A gratitude feels it. And then right after gratefulness, you know what I would feel? Expectancy. Yeah, I'd be expecting. You know why? Because if it took away that quickly, wait, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? You know, I think Justice cried. I think my, my, my two-year-old cried, my three-year-old cried, however old he was, cried. Because somewhere in his mind, he thought that was the only red ball in the whole world. He looked at that red ball. He didn't think there was another coming. He said, oh my God, that's the most beautiful ball. How could you do that, Dad? How could you take this red ball from me? It's the only ball in the whole world. There's no other ball like it. It's the best ball ever. Are you cruel? You stole it from me, my ball. And never find another ball again. Boy, he don't know about his dad. It's that his dad got a whole lot of toys. And what I wish I could tell my son, but he was too immature to understand, I wonder if anybody here will understand, is that there are a lot more balls where that came from. Huh? I wish I could have told him. I said, man, you are crying. Somebody here today, you are crying because you lost your business. It was the best business ever. That was the dream business. And now it's shut down, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. Where did that business come from? Who gave you the ability to start that business? Who gave you the wisdom to start that business? The know-how to start that business? The Lord. I know you lost that business, but I came to tell you on behalf of the Lord, there's another one coming. There's another one coming. Somebody here, you got laid off of your job, and you had a career going, and now you're 50 years old, and you need to look for a new career. Talking about, I can't start a new career at 50 years old. Well, am I going to go to community college? I won't be the grandma in the class. I'm too old to start a new career. Too old? And who gave you the intelligence? And who gave you the dream? And who gave you the desire? Watch you start a new career at 60 and change the world. There's another one where that came from. Somebody here, you lost a house, all right? And you think, well, that was my dream house. It was four bedroom. It was the one I saw in the vision. <laughs> the Lord gave me. That's the best house. And I lost the deal on it. Are you kidding? You know the maker? There's more house. I'll come to tell you, there's another house where that one came from. Oh, the opportunity. Maybe you had an opportunity in your life that passed you by. And it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know once-in-a-lifetime does not fit within the theological context of God. Once-in-a-lifetime, God don't know time. He's eternal. And, and he can do it again. And so it's not once-in-a-lifetime with God. There's another Another opportunity with God. You missed it. Catch this one. There's another opportunity with God. I wonder if anybody here, maybe you lost a relationship. And you think, well, there's nobody like her. 
There's nobody like him. I lost that relationship. There's no person like that person. Are you kidding? I know the person who makes persons. <laughs> you ever thought about that? I know the people maker. Huh? I'm just coming to tell you, I know he was good. And I know she was good. Hey, there's another right there. There's another right there. There's another. I'm just telling you right now, for anybody who needs to hear it, for Journey Church Online, I know you're in the building and you wish I could throw you a little toy ball, but this is for you. Listen, the God who is eternal, the God who is good, is a God of blessing and abundance and overflow. The Bible says he owns all the silver, all the gold, and a cattle on a thousand hill. There is no limit to what my God can do. Amen? Amen. If I throw you a ball, though, we do need those back because we're limit on the preaching of the but not God no limit on him man unlimited amen it all belongs to the Lord it's all his now let me help you out though be careful listen to me be careful to balance that out we can take it to the extreme it's all God's I don't care you take it Lord you got this it's all yours I don't even got to worry you do it God I don't care no no you better care but why? It's not mine. Why do I care? You care because it's not yours. How do you take care of things that don't belong to you? You better, you better be careful. You better take care of that. And this is where this balances out. The principle of ownership is balanced out by the second principle of stewardship, which is the principle of responsibility and reward. You got to be responsible. You got to be responsible. Look what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 15. The principle of responsibility and reward. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted whose money? Whose money? His money to them. While he was gone, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last. Verse 19, and after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give oof an account of how they had used whose money? His money. Now, if you're like me, you probably look at that story and you go, that's not fair. How come one guy got one and one guy got two and one guy got five? That's not fair. You're missing the point. The point isn't that one got one, one got two, and another got five. The point is that everybody got something. Oof. That's a good word. You know why? Because here's what it'll free you from. The principle of responsibility and, the, and reward will free you from excuses. Well, well, I didn't grow up in a rich family. Well, I don't have a lot of money. You know, we tackle our money problems from a very unproductive place. The moment we talk about money, we think about what we don't have. The moment I talk about budgeting, the moment I talk about retirement, the moment I talk about investment, here's what goes through everyone, everyone's mind. Well, if I had a million dollars, girl, you don't. So what are we going to do now? <laughs> you can't come at it from that perspective. You don't have a million dollars, but that's okay because the one who got two turned it into four. The one who got five turned it into ten. And God didn't go to the one who had four and said, how dare you not produce ten? He, he praised the one who made four just like he praised the one who made ten because he wasn't going to ask the person who made four to give back something that they were never given in the first place. Write this down if you're taking notes. You are not responsible for what you don't have. So stop thinking about it. You're responsible for what you do have. So do something about it. 
Stewardship starts at what you have. What you have. Raise your hand if you got five dollars. If you ain't got your hand raised, meet me in the lobby. I will help you out. Okay, $5. Every hand should be raised right now. You got $5. Cash app, Apple Pay, something. You got $5. Now, let me ask you this question. What are you doing with it? How are you taking that five and investing it? How are you taking that five and helping pay off debt? How are you taking that five and covering your needs? How are you taking that five and giving back to the Lord and helping people make a difference? Well, Pastor, how you expect me to do all that? It's only $5. It's only $5. Funny, you didn't think it was only $5 when you spent it on Starbucks. If it's only five, then why you spend it on coffee? How come you couldn't do a better thing with the only five you had? And then we expect God to give us a million, but we didn't do good with five. So how's that going to happen? We are responsible for what we do with our lives. How many people ever rent a car? Rent a car? How many people ever rent a car and didn't get the insurance? Hey, tell me you're not the best driver in the whole world. I rolled the dice one day. He said, you want insurance? I said, how much? He said, $40 a day. I was like, let's go. I don't want it. I got the car. I turned my blinker on three blocks before the turn. I just, I park way in the back so nobody parks next to me because I don't know how that works. I bring that car back with one scratch. I got $20,000 charged to my card. Uh Uh-uh. Safest driver in the world. Progressive would do a whole commercial about me. <laughs> but then when I get the insurance, how many people rent a car with the insurance? Ooh, boy. I am like Gran Turismo up in that play. When I get the insurance, when I get the insurance, I don't care. I'm Grand Theft Auto up in there just eating curves, doing donuts in the Walmart parking lot. I don't care. I come back with three wheels. And drop off the key talking about God insurance. <laughs> when I got behind the counter, I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. He don't care. It's insured. I can do whatever I want with it because I got insurance. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Heaven don't work that way. I wrote it like this and I'll explain it. We have eternal assurance, not eternal insurance. <sighs> it is, isn't it? Isn't that good? Our salvation is assured. You know what that means? That means that no matter what we do, our salvation is secure. Did you know that about God? There's nothing you can do to turn away his love from you. There's nothing. Once you give your trust to Jesus, put your faith in him, every sin, every poor choice, every bad decision, every wish you hadn't is erased like it never happened and nothing can change that. That is eternal assurance. But you don't have eternal insurance. You don't get to go to heaven and then God, you start walking past the Lord to get into paradise, to get into heaven. And God's like, so what did you do with your life? And you show him your Journey Church Connect card. Talking about, well, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm saved. I checked the box. I'm good to go. Pastor said, all my sins forgiven. I'm ready to go. That's eternal assurance. But God's going to ask you, oh, that's good. I'm glad that you're here. That's awesome. I can't wait to spend eternity with you. But what did you do with the vehicle I let you borrow? What did you do with the vehicle? What did you do with the vehicle? What did you do with the vehicle of my love? The vehicle of my mercy? I gave you talents. You mean I gave you the gift to sing and you never once got on the worship team? 
You mean I gave you the ability to produce wealth and you never once joined legacy? You never once tithed? You never once helped to build a church? You never once helped to, 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 to pay for the homeless? Out? You never once... You mean I gave you that smile and you couldn't hold a door for somebody at the front to welcome them into my house? I get, what did you do with the vehicle I gave you? And don't tell me you got insurance. Because you don't. We are all going to have to give an account to the Lord for how we spent our talents, how we spent our time, and how we spent our treasure. Every single one of us. This is the story of Journey Church. This is how we did it. When we first became a church, our very first meeting was in the back porch of my friend's house. We had like 15, 16 people. The number always changes every time I tell the story. I can't remember. <laughs> but man, we made that back porch so dope. We didn't have a lot of money. So I got construction paper, and I had some people on the team cut out the letter J, O, U, R, Journey Church. And then they got other construction paper, and they glued it to the, it looked like second grade arts and crafts. But it was fire. And it hung like a banner. People walked in, there was like a banner, Journey Church. We hadn't had a first service yet. It was just us gathering, and we cast vision. We even got the good desserts. I'm not talking about the Walmart. I'm talking about Publix. <laughs> we had the Publix desserts, y'all. People walked in there. It felt excellent. It felt special because we understood that how we steward that moment. Because this is the reward part. Matthew 25, 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And then, so it's responsibility and reward. And so after that, we had a coffee shop. We rented out the coffee shop. I met with the barista. And I was like, hey, this is our logo. I sent it to him like a week in advance. I was like, can you practice the logo on the foam art for the latte? So everybody who orders a coffee can have a little J-wing in their latte. Everybody who came in had a little J-wing on their latte. If you didn't order a latte, I was like, order the latte. <laughs> Made them order the latte just so they could see it. And we went from 14 people or 15 people to 70 people. And then on September... 18th, 2016, we were at Winter Park High School and 400 people showed up for the first service ever at Journey Church, ever. And we had 20-foot pipe and drape and we cleaned the bathrooms and we had as much equipment as we could afford set up. We stewarded what we could and God can, and guess where we are today? We're in the largest event venue in Seminole County on the busiest intersection this side of Orlando with over 2,500 people who come visit in person. And when people ask us how we got here, I always point to back there and how we stewarded what God gave us, what the Lord gave us. When you do that, you will, God, God wants to reward you. He just needs to know if he can trust you with what he rewards you with. When I was, my kids were real little, I used to take them to Disney. I, I, I still do, but it's different now. And when we did, we, we had them in the stroller. It was just like this, heavy duty. We had two kids, so we had the pra pra, you know what I'm talking about? The 2-1. And we had to lock them up. And the reason why we had to lock them up is because they were little. We could not trust them to be outside of the stroller. And they would fight, they would hate the stroller. But we would, bah, you know, just Alcatraz up in there, just locking it all up. Three strap, you're not getting out, because I can't trust you. You could run in the lake, get eaten by an alligator, I don't play that, no. So we had to lock them up. Then as they got older and they showed me that they could be trusted, we transitioned. I wanted them to be free. I want, because remember, we're talking about financial freedom. I wanted them to be free. And so I always told myself I would never do this when I got older. I said, I would never be one of those parents. But you just wait till you have kids. <laughs> you know what this is? If you Google it, it's, it's a child harness. But we all know. It's a baby leash. 
last baby leash. When we had this little baby leash, I, I never thought I'd be that parent. But when I had kids, I was that parent. Get in the leash. If you went to what? Get over here. What you doing? Don't talk to strangers. Back up. Now listen, I didn't enjoy that. You don't think I knew how I looked. I didn't want to do that. I just, and I wanted them to be free. I just couldn't trust them with that level of freedom yet. Listen, that's why you're always strapped. That's why you're always strapped. Because God is like, you don't make money now and you spend it on bad things. You want me to give you a lot of money now. You don't make a lot of money now and you blew it on Jay's. You want to give me money so you can blow it on a boat? You got to show me that you can exist in a certain level of freedom because God will never give you something that will harm you. And money is not a solution to your problems. It's a magnifier. It will throw fuel on the fire of your vices. It will throw fuel on the fire of your weaknesses. And God needs to know, can I trust you with $5? Because if I can trust you with 5 I'm going to give you 50 Can I trust you with 50 I'm going to give you 500 Can I trust you with 500 I'm going to give you 5000 I want you to be free. You think I want to hold that leash? No. One day if our kids grow up enough, I'm going to let them go to, to the park on their own with their friends. Granted, I did a whole background check on every single one of them. I want them to be free. I just got to be able to trust them. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. This is the pro- this is it. And now I'm gonna take the last excuse away from y'all because some of you are like, "Well, that's good," but I still got one excuse, Pastor JJ. I didn't grow up in a home with parents that knew finances. My family was living on food stamps, welfare. We we ate our meals at school in the gas station. We didn't have nothing, so it's not my fault that I don't know how to handle my money because nobody ever taught me. I'm sorry, and I feel you. And I wish everybody grew up in a home like my, my home didn't have everything set at us, right? But my parents, they, they followed these principles, and I'm grateful that they told me them. I, and I know that's not everybody's life, but I'm going to take that excuse away from you too, right here, right now. You ready? How many people know who uh, a Dave Ramsey or Financial Peace University is? You ever heard of them? It's cool if you did. If you didn't, I'm going to break it down fairly quickly. Dave Ramsey is a, a Christian financial a guru who studies finances, studies the biblical principles. He has this program called Financial Peace University. It's a 10-week class that teaches you absolutely everything you need to know about budgeting. Teaches you everything you need to know about investing, IRA, 401k, everything you need to know about purchasing health insurance, life insurance, everything you need to know about getting out of debt, about saving up for your kid's college, everything you need to know about buying a house, everything you need to know about all the things that you can think of that have to do with finances, purchasing a car, what to look for in loans and not to look for, all of that. Well, we have a class here called Financial Peace University that teaches those things, and they recently came out with like an on-demand version, like a Netflix version of this called Ramsey Plus. The problem is it's like $130 to $180 depending on how, how much you get, especially if you add on this budget tracker that they got called Every Dollar that'll do your whole budget for you. And so I thought, you know what, as a church, I'd really love to be able to take away that excuse of not knowing for everybody. So I called up Ramsey Plus. I mean, I didn't call up Ramsey because I don't know him like that. But we called up Ramsey Plus, and we were like, hey, we got thousands of people at our church, and we got thousands more that watch online. How much would it cost to buy every single person the budget tracker and the class? They were like, every person? I'm like, every person. They're like, you sure not just the person in the room? I was like, no, everybody online, every person. 
he gave us a number. I said, thank you. I'm going to pray about that. <laughs> True story. My sister had to come back to me three weeks later. She's like, so what did the Lord tell you? <laughs> I was like, oh, I've been praying. I've been praying. Listen, I can't tell you how much it costs because I don't want to scare you. But I'm excited to announce that anybody who's listening to this sermon today or who listens to it for the next year in the room or online, if you scan this code right here, you're going to get Ramsey Plus for free. 100% for free right now. It's $130 to $180 that you have on your own right now. My wife and I have been through this course twice already. We're about to go through it a third time. It's going to teach you everything you need to know. No more excuses for not being able to handle your finances. Now, if you miss this QR code, it's going to be at the connect tent underneath. Well, you can scan it there as well. And it's crazy because you know, I just gave you a QR code, $180 value, and there was some claps, and it was cool. But it was more like, that's nice. But had I given everybody $180, there'd have been black church gospel revival up in this place right here. There'd have been somebody running down the street, thank you, Jesus. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. For $180, but I gave you something better than money today, I gave you the tool. If I'd have given you 180, that'd have helped you today. But by giving you the tool, this is for you and your children and your children's children, the things that you're going to teach your kids and invest in your kids, the way you're going to change the legacy of your last name because you know how to handle finances. This is for you. It's for one year. You have access for it. And, uh, and thank you if you give because you help pay for this. And so we're grateful for you. And I hope that this changes your life. I know that it will. So get on it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last principle, last principle. We, got, we talked about the principle of ownership. We talked about the principle of responsibility and reward. I would be remiss. I can't go home without talking to you about this third principle because it's changed my life. And anybody who's ever lived it knows the power of it. And we're going, you will never get your finances ordered if you don't get this last one right. And it's the principle of the tithe. If you don't understand this, everything else falls apart. I love that we have a church full of people who never been to church. Some of us have. We grew up in it. But I'm excited. You should know, chances are there are three people in your row who never been. So when they hear the word tithe, they're like, I don't even know what that means. I'm so excited that I get to share this with you. Here's what the tithe is. It's going to sound crazy when you hear it. You're going to be like, why would I ever do that? The tithe is giving the first 10% of your income to God through the local church. So does that make $1,000 a month? The very first thing I do before I pay AT&T, before I Amazon, before I have Verizon, before I pay Peacock, I take $100 because it's 10%. I give it to God through my local church, and I take the rest of my money. I invest it. I save it. I pay off debt. I cover expenses, put away from my kids' college, but I do that first. Why would I ever do that? First off, it's all over the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, all over. Here's why you do that. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. Do you want to be truly rich? You already are if you are happy and good. After all, we didn't bring any money with us when we came into the world, and we can't carry away a single penny when we die. So we should be well satisfied without money if we have enough food and clothing. He's talking about freedom. He's not talking about rich. He's talking about freedom. But look what it says in verse 9. But people who long to be rich soon begin to do all kinds of wrong things to get money, things that hurt them and make them evil-minded. I told you the two topics that Jesus talked about the most. And finally, 
that sends them to hell itself. Look at verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. He said the love, not money. There's this myth in America that all rich people are evil. That's not true. You know why? Because I know some pretty evil poor people. Because it has nothing to do with what's in your account. It has to do with what's in your heart. And I know some really great rich people. This is one guy that goes to our church, extremely wealthy, multiple businesses. We took him out on a homeless outreach one time, and then we had to kick him out. Because he went on one homeless outreach. We didn't kick him out, but we were like, you need to find another thing. He came. He met one homeless guy, fell in love with this guy, put him up in a hotel for a month, paid off all his expenses, found him a job, changed this dude's life. And I'm like, bro, thank you for being so generous, but also you are ruining it for the rest of us that just got sandwiches. <laughs> it's got sandwiches, man. You're setting the standard too high. Number two, you keep doing that, you're going to be homeless one day, all right? So we can't. That's a good, rich person. It's not about what's in your account. It's about what's in your heart. And it's the heart that's wicked. It's the heart that's greedy. It's the heart that seeks material possession. It's the heart that's out to take from other people. It's not money, why people fight wars. It's people love money more than they love lives. It's not money's fault that families fall apart. It's that fathers and mothers love to spend money more than we love to spend time with our kids. It's not money. It's the love of it. And this is where budgeting fails. Because budgeting will only get the outside stuff right. I would like this. Budgeting will get your house in order. But tithing gets your heart in order. It works on the inside of you. What does it do on the inside of you? It frees you. Everything frees you. Every point I gave freed you. Here's the principle of the tithe. Here's what it frees you of. The principle of the tithe frees you from the love of money. Because every time you give God the first 10%, what you're saying is, this does not run my life. I don't live for this. I don't love this. This belongs to God who I love. Look at Deuteronomy 14.23. Then I'll show a video and we'll pray. Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I'm going to show you a video. Don't nobody leave. Bear with me. Give me another 10 minutes. This video is so powerful. Then I'm going to say one thing, and then we can all go. I want you to watch the video of a family who we love that took a tithing journey a couple years ago, and it's crazy what God did in their life. Watch this. made our first tithe is uh, March of 2021. I March 14th. Well, March 14th to be exact. In our bathroom. It literally, you know. Getting ready for church, like. Yeah? Yeah. I was terrified. Like, yes. it wasn't even like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We did it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's going to push the button. Like, truth be told, like, we still have bills to pay. No, I, I think the expectation, too, coming out of it was almost like, you know, Okay, we did this. Now where's all, all the miracles we've been praying for? We were waiting. We were waiting for like. Where, where's the flood of the just? Flood, the, like the sky was gonna open. All this money was gonna be coming down, and we were just so excited about that. We're like, yes, like we're gonna see business close. We're gonna. This is gonna take us to new levels. We are never gonna struggle again. Straight up. Yeah. That's how it felt. Like we were so excited about that. Right. Like here, here we are. We, we're obedient, God. Now. Like we did it. We did our part. Yeah. 
That's not how it goes. <laughs> I think to properly tell this story, we kind of have to start with our upbringing. I grew up in a household that doesn't have faith in Jesus, doesn't believe in God, and. If I'm being honest, you know, they looked at the idea of giving money to a church as like, oh, you're making the pastor rich. It's so they could drive a Mercedes or have a big house or all those type of things. And just not being able to control where the money goes and whether or not the church is actually using it to help people and all these kind of ideas. And so naturally when it came time uh, for, for us to tithe and God was putting that in our heart, uh, the enemy was bringing up those type of things from my past. I think mine was a little different. We believed in God, we, we believed in Jesus, but the tithing was, it was difficult to give. We didn't have anything to give. So we would just kind of show up. I didn't think it, I mean, I guess it still in a way triggers me, you know, because we wanted to give. I mean, I, I think there was a desire that was there, but it felt like you couldn't give. There was nothing to give if you didn't have anything to give from. Does that make sense? So like, when I say, like when they did the worship and they passed the little friend of the box and you saw it coming, like it literally felt like a heart attack that just carried into my adulthood. There just isn't enough. I don't have it. I don't have it. And that just kind of became this mentality of it's either us or the church. And that's how we saw it. And, that, and that's just kind of where I moved from. And so now we have a combination of, well, where is this money really going? And I don't even have it to give to begin with. It put us in a position where we, like, we struggled for, for years. I mean, if we're being honest, we first started getting called to tithe in 2019. And we totally ignored it for like two years. Yes. Straight up. So we, so we're business owners, right? So we're, um, being self-employed means you don't have anything consistent, right? So some months are good, some times are bad. And we were getting to a point where we were just like, we are doing all the advertising, we're doing all the marketing. I wish I could say that our initial like motive was like pure obedience to God. For me at least, it was a place of like, this is the missing element. Like God's not gonna be able to take us to the next level if we're not being in obedience with like what he's asking us to do. And I actually had a conversation with my cousins and she said, your missing element is giving to God because that's still the one thing that you're not doing. And, and that's where it was for me, like in my heart. I gave it a week in all fairness. I felt like, okay, God, like this, you know what I mean? Like you meet me, I meet you kind of thing. And after a week, I was, I don't want to say I was angry. I think angry is too like intense. I was extremely frustrated though, because I'm like, you asked me to do this and therefore I did and I don't see flood. But we still continued doing it. So the next Sunday, there we were. Same thing. There we were again. And then the next Sunday, there we were again, you know? You know, I think we had, we had these expectations that what we were gonna get from it was monetary. And what we realized is what we really gained from it, what God was really doing was changing our heart posture mm -hmm. to understand that He is our provider and leading us to surrender financially instead of being self-reliant and thinking that everything is in our control. When we give up that and say, okay, God, none of this was ours to begin with. 
And the only reason we have it is because you blessed it with us. It was yours first. We're gonna go ahead and give that first of it back to you because we're grateful that you even gave it to us to begin with, that you trusted us with it. It changed the way we operated in our business. Oh, completely. We stopped advertising. We were just like, you know what? Like, we're gonna literally go in on all faith that everything that's going to come is going to literally come from God. Not because we were pushing all these feeds on Instagram, not because we were paying, like, you know what I mean? It was, and when I tell you, this is where it gets crazy because this is God, right? That, like, people would literally fall out of the sky, like, exactly what started to happen is people started falling out of the sky. Three months post-tithing, we had literally seen our monthly sales, like, multiply by three, which I, I couldn't even have dreamed of that. I couldn't have envisioned that. I, I think that, and that's how you know it's such a God thing, because you're not supposed to understand it. You know what I mean? It has to be, like, boom. And we've never been the same since. The biggest thing for me has been the fact that it's, it's a freedom from no longer carrying like the burden of providing for myself financially because it was never my burden to carry. Correct. Like I feel like I'm breathing for the first time in these last two years of like my whole life. Oh. Right? That's good. The thing that stuck out about their story to me is not that God tripled their business. The thing that stuck out to me was how God changed their hearts. That, and when she said at the end, and I feel like I can breathe again. It's crazy. God will do more on 90% than you can ever do with 100 when you trust him. And so we're going to do something. I'm about to put a QR code on the screen in a second. I'm going to read a verse. And I hope as many people take pictures of this one as they did the free Ramsey one. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole tithe into the storehouse is a local church that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God said, try me. <laughs> Verse 10, and see, and I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing there won't even be enough room in your house to store it. I want to invite you to do something that literally hundreds of people have done over the last six years at Journey Church to join this fraternity, sorority of people who have taken a step of faith into taking the 90-day tithing challenge. The QR code on the screen come up behind me. Here's what I'm asking you to do. So many people in the room, maybe you used to tithe or you've never tithed before. I want to challenge you to try tithing, trusting God with the first 10% of what he gave to you to begin with and see what he does for 90 days. Now listen, I recorded a devotional and some of our pastors wrote devotionals for 12 weeks to walk with you for those 90 days to encourage you throughout it. Here's the other thing. We believe that God is so faithful in this that if at the end of the 90 days, the three months, if you feel like for whatever reason, God did not come through like the Bible said he would come through, you'll actually return all of your giving. Because listen, we don't need it. It's not for us. It's for you and it's for others. We'll give it back. That's the confidence you can have. But if try it. See what God will do in your life. Trust him. And if you're afraid, here's my last passage. And then we'll, 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 we'll leave. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Listen, if you're afraid to take this step of tithing, look at what God says. For never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence. Mm, someone needs to say this with me. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. When things get tight financially, 
and the bills, but I won't be afraid because I know I've put him first in my life. Now, I want to pray for two people, and if you missed any of the QR codes, the tithing or the Ramsey, they'll be outside by the tent. But I want everybody in the room, if you're bad with money, I'll give you every head bow, every eye closed. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you came to church today and you are bad with money, you know it. I want you to raise your hand on three so I can pray for you. Over at East Campus, if you're bad with money and you're ready to ask God to come in and get your finances right so everything else get right. On three, I want you to raise your right hand high. Nobody is peeking. I'm the only one who's seeing you. You're bad with money, but you need God's help. On three, raise your hand. One, two, three. All over this room. All over this room. So many hands. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your transparency. Let me pray for you. Keep your hand raised. Father, you see every hand. You see every family. You see every man. You see every woman. You see every young person. You see every older person. You see the struggles. You see them on welfare. You see them on food stamps. You see them selling clothes, side hustles. You see them on websites trying to earn money any way that they can. God, I pray you show them there's a better way and it begins by trusting you. I pray for financial blessing over their life. I pray for an overflow, an outpouring. It begins with the wisdom of stewardship that they will learn how to manage well the little they have and you will not only bless it God you will reproduce it and multiply it ten times overflowing to the point where they cannot even fill their houses it overflows through the windows through the doors blessing their children and their children's children we thank you Jesus in your name we pray amen would you keep your head bowed one more time eyes closed if you're in this room or you're at east this was never about money money is the tool listen this was always about your heart well, it kind of sounded like giving at the end. No, it's about your heart because God loved you so much, he gave his son Jesus. God was the first one to tithe. He gave Jesus so that you and I could have a, a life in eternity so that our past can be forgiven. It was always about relationship. If you'd like a relationship with Jesus, when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand high to the sky. Jesus, I need you in my life. All over this room, you're ready to come back to Jesus. One, two, three right now if that's you would you raise your right hand come to give your heart it's always been about your heart the money is just a vehicle to point your heart in the right direction it's always been about your heart i see your hand i see your hand you can put it down you can put it down over at east i want everybody to repeat this prayer those who raised their hands and those who didn't father god i know you love me because you gave first and today because someone say today i respond to your generosity with generosity of my own just like you gave me your life I give you my life. Forgive me for my sins. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you put your hands together for all those who made We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, Join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.